James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, brother and sister. Very nice to see you online, worshipping together. May the Lord bless you and keep safe. This morning's passage, James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, is probably the most controversial passage in the book of James. As Christians, we believe that salvation is through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, and that we live for the glory of God alone. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 28, Paul says, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. But James says in chapter 2, verse 24, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Other versions such as NRS, New Revised Standard, CSB, Christian Standard Bible, and ESV, English Standard Version, have translated this verse as, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Is James at odds with Paul? Are they at odds? with each other about how we are saved? No, of course not. Context shows us otherwise. So why do they sound so different? This is because Paul and James both have different audiences. 
they are writing about two different sets of problems. In his letters, Paul writes against legalism, the idea that we are saved by works rather than by grace. Paul says that is not the case. We are saved by grace. We are right with God through Jesus. Legalism is the problem that Paul was writing about. But it isn't the problem that James faces, as we have seen over the last two Sundays. James is writing to those who are lax in their faith. He reminds them that we have been given new life and have been created for good works. Good works naturally flow and follow and flow from faith. They cannot be separated from it, although they don't save us. He wants them to consider carefully the fruit of salvation. How do they respond in faith to God's salvation in Jesus Christ? How do they show that they are Christians? What does it mean that Jesus died and rose for them? What it means for their daily walk of faith? Here in chapter 2, James is giving some specific practical instructions to help them achieve this goal and grow in faith. With this in mind, let's proceed with our exposition this morning. Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? James says that faith is not merely something that we say. For James, faith is not just an allegiance to doctrine, an academic subject, something we just debate and talk about, nor is it about emotions. Rather, it is to be a lifestyle. It is not just an idea to believe, but rather the purpose for our lives. Faith is not to be passive, but rather active. It is the living spirit living in us, empowering and growing in us. If we have faith and do nothing with it, we are being illogical and absurd. Saving faith is a living faith. It will have genuine results. Thus, our desire as Christians will be put into practice, the precepts of the Lord, not because we earn anything, but because we are grateful for what we have and desire others to have it too. Our faith will have activity that tells others and God that our faith is real. He then says, can such faith save them? The answer is no. Seeing genuine faith produces good deeds, a faith that does not produce good deeds is not genuine. Notice that James is not asking if faith can save, but such faith, a faith without deeds, save. Faith without deeds is not genuine faith. Works or deeds 
are not an extra, are added extra to faith, but are an essential expression of it. Next, he gives an everyday example to prove his point. He says in verses 15 to 16, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In James's example, it is pretty obvious to see that a, the person is in need. They are without clothes and daily food. Seeing that, what do you do? The faith he described sees this and gives nice and pious responses. He says, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but doesn't do a thing. He said, not only does that do nothing for that person, it doesn't reflect faith. It doesn't respond to God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. It really is just talk. If we ignore our brothers and sisters in the Lord or in the world, while we boast we are in him, what good is our faith? Why? What we should do is to give them what the body needs. This is faith working in mercy. Genuine faith is practical. It is messy and it gets involved with people's needs. Genuine faith is to live our faith lives by touching others for Christ. Verse 70. In the same way, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Dead is a saying that means totally useless, words without actions. It is a lifeless corpse from whence the spirit has departed. James is saying when we do not demonstrate our faith, we are as dead body when the spirit or soul is gone. This does not mean we lose our faith. Rather, we never had it. Now in verse 18, we read about someone we say. Apparently, someone who doesn't really like that James, what James is teaching, will voice an objection. James probably has had his conversation with others Jews before. And he knows what some of them are thinking. So he includes it here in his letter. James says, some would argue that faith and deeds may exist separately. In other words, someone may have faith, and someone else may have this. James argues that this is false. He makes it clear that faith and deeds work together. Faith produces deeds, and deeds reveal faith. He writes, 
I will show you my faith by my deeds. He's telling us that genuine faith is visible, that we can see faith in action. Anybody can say they have faith, but actions speak louder than words. We can't see faith until we see it in action. I can talk about faith all day. I can debate faith. Genuine faith has results. Genuine faith is visible to others. Now, we don't do things to be seen. We do them because we have been called by God to do them. Verse 19. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, but shuttered. Faith is not just belief. James tells us even the demons believe in God. The problem is that the belief does not lead to repentance. Belief does not save. Faith has a deeper aspect, rooted in our trust and obedience and planted in us by Christ's work on the cross. It will have involvement, partnership, and heart. We are fools if we think all we need is to believe in God and take comfort that our salvation is assured. Our assurance, then, is not in Christ, but rather in our fever thinking. Brothers and sisters, does your faith, does your belief in God lead to repentance? Does your faith produce good deeds? False faith fails, but genuine faith produces loving care for others. Verse 20, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? James begins his rebuttal by repeating what he said in verse 17. He says here that faith without deeds is useless. Deeds empowers and energizes faith. Deeds make faith profitable. James says, so you don't believe that there is a connection between faith and deeds? Let me show you what the Bible says. And James, to make his case, uses the premier figure of faith in the Old Testament, the father of faith and the father of all Jews. He uses the examples of Abraham. Verse 21, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. James points out to his opponents here that Abraham's faith was maturing and being energized by his actions. This is what he says in verse 22. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. 
our faith, our relationship, our intimacy, our fellowship with God matures and grows and develops only as we live in obedience to Him. God needs causes faith to grow. These help keep your faith alive and vibrant and exciting and growing. For Abraham, it took a long time for his faith to mature. And it does for us also. He experienced ups and downs. He doubted God for a while. He lied about his wife. He agreed to take his maid servant, Hagar, as a surrogate mother. He was not a good father to Ishmael. Abraham had some serious sin issues. But his faith was maturing because even though he had numerous failures, he was trying day by day to walk with God. This all comes to light between Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis 15, Abraham believed God and so was, so was justified in the sight of God. But it was not until Genesis chapter 22 that Abraham's faith had matured enough through his deeds. This is what James points out in verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Here we have the whole spectrum from Genesis chapter 15 to Genesis chapter 22 condensed down into one verse. It is interesting to see that little phrase here at the end of verse 23. And he was called God's friend. This letter, this title comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, and Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. The meanings of the expression seems to be that as a result of faithful obedience concerning Isaac, Abraham was brought into an even closer fellowship with God. The servants of Abraham and the people who lived near Abraham had heard how God spoke to him and had heard how Abraham had promised to follow God and obey him completely. So they watched him to see what he would do. It's like us. When we become a Christian and our family, uh, our friends, family and co-workers watch us to see if there will be any change. That is what they did with Abraham. They watched him for 15 years. Sometimes he seemed righteous. Sometimes he didn't. During this whole time, Abraham had been claiming to have been declared righteous by God. Many people who witnessed 
his life, however, may have been skeptical. But then something happened. God asked Abraham to take his one and only son, the son the Abraham the Abraham had waited for 100 years for, the only son of his inheritance. God asked Abraham to take that son and go offer him up as a sacrifice on an altar. What did Abraham do? Genesis chapter 22, verse 3 says that Abraham left early the next morning. He did not wait around. He did not question God's request. He obeyed. And he obeyed quickly. And what happened? You all know that the story. God stopped the knife of Abraham just before he took the life of Isaac and gave a ram from among the thorns in his place. You can believe that news of these spread quickly, and Abraham's faith was made evident to all. And when Abraham went walking by, people would say, hey, that man, that man is God's friend. He was called the friend of God. He was recognized by people around him as a person who had a close fellowship with God. Do you want to be known as a friend of God? Jesus tells us how we can be in John chapter 15, verse 14. He says that you are my friends if you do what I command. We have been saved by faith in Christ alone. We are headed for heaven. We are the children of God. But faith in Christ alone does not make you a friend of God. And what does it take to be a friend of God? Jesus said, you are my friend if you do what I command. Abraham did what God commanded. And he was called God's friend. Faith alone gave Abraham justification in the eyes of God. But by his deeds, Abraham was called a friend of God. This is what James says yet again, a third time in verse 24. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So James had done a pretty good job refuting the opponent. Just clearly showed that there is a connection between faith and works. While it is true that these do not really reveal what a person believes, these are intimately connected with faith, for these help faith mature. These energize our faith. These make our faith vibrant. But James is not done. James knew that for many of his readers, Abraham was a hero. He was a first Jew. So while all Jews wanted to be like Abraham, some of them may have been saying, 
Well, James, we see your point, but Abraham's faith was so far beyond the level of ours. And what you are saying doesn't really seem to apply to us. So James gave another example. And these examples is the exact opposite of Abraham. It's found in verse 25. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what he did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Rahab was the exact opposite of Abraham. Abraham was a major Bible figure. Rahab was a minor participant. Abraham was a father of Israel. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was the respected. Rahab was disreputable. Abraham was man. Rahab was a woman. But James says that even Rahab was justified by her deeds when she gave lodging to the spies and send them off in a different direction. For the two Israelite spies who showed up in Jericho and stayed with Rahab, they probably had told her that God was going to destroy Jericho and gave the promised land to Israel. Rahab believed what God had said and so was justified in the sight of God. And maybe she told the spies that she believed. And so would they please spare her and her family when they destroyed Jericho? But they could not actually know if she was telling the truth or not. And so they asked her to energize her faith with actions. They told her to protect them, hide them, let them escape without getting caught, to put her own life in danger by not revealing where they had went, then gather her family members into her house and lower a scarlet cord from her window in the wall, and God would deliver her. So this is what she did, resulting in her being justified by her deeds in the sight of men. She acted in faith, and by so doing, she saved the lives of the two spies. And she saved her own life and the lives of her family when Jericho fell to Israelites. Incidentally, as we see from Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, Rahab was further blessed by God to become a part of Messianic line. James is making a point. It doesn't matter who you are. Genuine faith works in the same way. You can say that you have all the faith in the world. 
but until that faith results in action, you can't claim that you have genuine faith. It doesn't matter if you are Abraham or Rahab. Genuine faith results in actions. James sums up the entire discussion with an analogy from our body in verse 26. As a body without the spirit is dead. So faith without deeds is dead. The relationship between faith and deeds is like that between the body and the spirit. Without the spirit, the body is dead. Without this, faith is dead. Just as the spirit energizes and makes the body useful, so this energizes faith and makes faith productive and profitable. When we stand before Christ at the judgment seat, the question will be, was your faith profitable or dead? and useless. Well, in this morning's passage, James challenges those with faith to show their faith with upward fruit. James is not saying that doctrine is unimportant. Rather, if it is real in you, then it will be shown in you. To trust is to obey. Faith is not just believing, but also behaving. It is important that each professing Christian examines his own heart and life or deeds and makes certain that he or she possesses true saving faith. As we close, Dear brothers and sisters, I would like to encourage you this morning to be growing and active and fruitful and faith-filled. God wants to do great things through you and love the people who are around you. God wants to produce fruit in you that blesses the people around you. God wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant, when you roll up to the doorstep of heaven. God wants to save you and make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. God wants abundance life and goodness and godliness and blessing for you. This is the top result. And I think that all starts with genuine faith as the basis of our faith, of our life, sorry. Psalms 139, verses 23 to 24 says, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful ways in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Let's spend a moment of silence in prayer to examine ourselves. Amen. God bless you.